not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Welcome to The View from the Ninian, sponsored by Terrace Badger. Terrace Badger started in 2022, and they create great custom-designed T-shirts based on football clubs and songs sung on terraces. We're proud to partner with a locally-run business, and you can get 15% off at terracebadger.com with the code VFTN15. That's VFTN15. Thanks for sponsoring us, guys. Another win for Cardiff City. Two games in a row. We're getting used to the winning feeling and it feels quite weird. We hope that this doesn't impact the podcast listeners as positive pods are back for the foreseeable future. I'm joined as usual by Ben Price and Tom Phillips. Ben Price, how are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Good, thank you. Very good. Uh, Tom Phillips, how are you? Yeah, great, thanks. Good. Um, I mean, we're all the better for the fact that we won our second game in a row on Friday night. Um, I wouldn't say it was a classic, but it was a good performance against Reading um, and against Paul Ince, the fucking dickhead. Um, uh, ben, uh, I mean, where to start other than another victory and another victory for Lamucci Ball? It was really nice not to have the weekend ruined very early on. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. Uh, just springing my step from Friday evening right through to today, to be honest. I've just been in a great mood and it's for the first time in a long time. It's all been down at the Cardiff City. Yeah. Um, Tom, there was always the danger that a Friday night game, you know, with with the games on Saturday where everyone was playing everyone around us, that if we'd lost on Friday night, the results that, you know, we could talk about the results that went against us that uh, over the weekend happened, then we could have been in a really bad position. But we're actually in the alternative position, aren't we? Because we we did put a little bit of space between us and the teams below us. Yeah, definitely. I think it's massive, the fact that it's two in a row as well. Um, like, what's probably happened, it might have happened once a season, if at all. Um, so it's huge because it's a momentum shifter, not just for our squad, but like you said, the other teams are then looking at that. And even though they've picked up a result, they haven't gained any ground on us. Yeah. So it, it's massive. Um, the the spring in like the step of a, so many of our fans now is mad. I felt guilty for how happy I felt on Saturday because I was so miserable a couple of weeks ago. Like I'm so fickle, and I think a lot of us are. But I, but I don't think we can underestimate how big it is to win those two games. When you've waited 14 games to win one and then you win two in a row, that let's get carried away because, you know, it hasn't happened often for us. We haven't had many good times. And, yeah, I feel absolutely fantastic after the game on Friday, I must admit. Yeah, I think, you know, I think getting carried away after winning two games when we haven't really done that all season, I think we were allowed it for one weekend of the year because, you know, it could come crashing down at any point. Um, but, Ben, it didn't, you know... In the first half, for, for all the, the dominance we exerted, for, for all the chances we had, for the amount of times we hit the woodwork, it, it looked like it was going to be one of those nights, didn't it, where we just didn't score. Yeah, and I think it, it feels like a bit of a seed. Like, that goal feels like quite seasoned. Like, it could be a very season-defining moment. That's where you look back and it goes, that's where, that's it, where changed. it changed. Yeah, like you said, look, we've had so many games where we've gone, oh, we weren't that bad, but then we never scored. So to actually yeah. get that goal is massive. But I, to be honest, I think that's probably, it's the best I've seen this all season. I include like the early performance under Steve Morrison. I thought we were brilliant against Red. I mean, it was just a case of we just never like scoring until Sawyer's bagged from a range that we weren't really expecting. Um, yeah, I think I, I go back to the, the Burnley, the, one of the early games under Hudson, which was the Burnley game where we looked really good, but we only scored that one goal quite late on. It, it kind of felt like that, but obviously we, we won the game. Um, I can't ask you this question, Tom, because you just admitted to, to missing it. So I'll come back to you, Ben Price. Um, the McGuinness uh, red card incident. Um, I, I, I'm fairly fairly certain of my opinion on this, but I'll open the floor up to you, Ben. What was your opinion? I think that the commentary was was quite adamant that you probably should have been sent off. It was a nasty challenge, but do you think it was a red card? Um, I did think it was a red card until I saw uh, Paul Ince's reaction at full time and I thought the referee got it bang on. <laughs> and can't complain with anything there. But yeah, it's, it's a red. And I think if it's the other way around, we'd be screaming for it to be a red. Um, he was a lucky boy with that. He was a very lucky boy because um, he, he flew in at some pace. It wasn't like it was just a high foot. Like he, he put a lot of momentum into it and he caught him plumb on the shin. I am quite surprised the ref didn't give it. It's quite worrying that he didn't give it because like you said, it's high, he's flying in and there wasn't any control stud showing. It, it It's like, it ticks every box for a yeah. red card. Despite, despite what someone on Twitter said, 
of it being my opinion that it was a red card. I think it's my opinion. I think it's the laws of the game. The sort of yeah. it should have been a red. But the only thing I could think of I'll is that it. maybe the the referee didn't see the impact right. So he flew in. The ball was there, and that's the only defense I can give him. The ball was there. <laughs> Um, but he made no attempt to play it. But the only thing I can think of is that the referee thought it was a genuine attempt to play the ball or he's just mistimed it and just missed the ball. I don't know. I'm I'm clutching at straws here because it's a red card all day for me. The only thing I think it could be is because one foot was planted on the ground. Yeah. Like, I think if he goes two feet in the it's one of those tackles that one foot in the air doesn't look half as bad as if he'd done it with two feet it in the air. Two feet. Just, that might have saved him. And that is the only logical thing I can think of. But yeah, we'll take it because he, he was a man mounted again after that. I tell, tell you what, like you've not got an opinion on this one, Tom. You didn't see it. You said you I, I'm, not gonna, I'm, moment. I'm not gonna mention it. Um, I went looking for it because that was the, the only like few minutes I missed of the game, and then I went through all the highlights packages and it wasn't shown. And I think that shows how many chances we had in that game that we actually went like any other game this season that's in that highlights package because we've done nothing else. But it's a good sign that they've left it out. But I, I think like on that clinical issue, like, like we mentioned earlier, it still does worry me a little bit because it's taken a goal from outside the box and a free kick as a set piece to break teams down. We can't rely mm-hmm. on that. But I know it is promising though. And and McGuinness has been outstanding since he's come back. I think that could be a season defining moment, the fact that we haven't kept him Lost up every him. Wednesday. Yeah. He's been he's been absolutely brilliant. I think I think the, the thing that is really noticeable is that he's come back and our defence has somewhat improved with him being there. I think there was always the danger that uh, I don't think our defence is brilliant, but you could upset the the combination of keeper and NG. You could, you know, um, I don't know, just dis- disrupt it a little bit and disjoint the defence. But he he started in and made us stronger. You say it's not our defence isn't brilliant. It's the best defence in the bottom half. Mm. That's what makes no. like our position wild is the fact that we yeah. haven't actually, we haven't conceded that many goals. Like. We've said constantly no team's really given us a hide-in. Mm. It's just, it's been silly mistakes, like, like yeah. sort of make it feel worse than it is. But I, th- I think that's what I mean, really, because statistically, you're right, we haven't been bad. But, like, when you put someone new in, it can cause that disruption. That, like, Keeper's always got a mistake in him. Like, it, it could have caused more mistakes and all that kind of stuff. That's just what I mean, really. I um, think yeah. as well, well, like, the all sort mistake, right, in other games, oh, yeah. like, that would have caught us out. And I think that it's one of those games that earlier in the season we lose that 1-0. Or we have a man sent off, or that you know that all sort mistake costs us. But we are having less of them since McGuinness has come in anyway, because I think Keeper can make a mistake now, and it doesn't mean someone's in on goal because we've got mm-hmm. McGuinness next to him as a little bit. You know, it just frees up NG to do stuff. It frees up Keeper to do stuff because you've got someone there who's reliable, and we haven't had that reliability consistently throughout the season. It's all. It's he's added something that we've said has been lacking in this squad for a while is another leader because he doesn't stop talking on the pitch. He's constantly barking at every player, and that's what a lot of what we've missed. That's what we missed when Shawnee Moss left us. Um, yeah, it's just leaders. That's they're what pull you through and sort of make things more steady. Improving communication helps no end. And uh, you're on about the Allsop thing. Um, the best part of that was him just like looking at. The pitch is in good nick for the Kaiser Stadium. <laughs> I think the pitch, we've never, apart from like a couple of disease issues with like this come in, we've never an issue. That pitch has always been pristine. And he's looking at the floor going, fucking hell, do you see that divot? Did you <laughs> see that divot there? It is at the foot. It's so it bad. Amazing that he tried playing off the divot at that. So, but properly, like, wasn't even taking the piss. He was properly going, a fucking divot there. <laughs> That's all something, isn't it? He's got that mistake in him. Um, I guess the one sour point, Tom, from the the game. Obviously, we'll talk about the Sawyer's goal in a minute, and we'll talk about Sawyer's more generally. Um, there was just a, I'm going to say, badly timed subs by Lamucci that meant that we ended up with with Callum Robinson limping around on the pitch. I think there was the immortal moment where you can see on the on he goes down, the camera catches him, and he just says, "I'm fucked," um, and he had to stay on the pitch, had to wrap it. Um, I don't really know what to say about that because, like, I think when he went down, we were making a sub at the time, and that meant we exhausted our our windows of substitutes. I don't know how substitutes work anymore. Um, it's all changed. I thought you could just do whatever you wanted, whatever. But apparently, you have to do it within windows of time now. Um, could that cost us in the long run? You know, I, I haven't heard anything about his injury. I don't know what it was, what it is, but it was a hamstring. Um, it's, it's a, it was a bit of a souring note, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the only one. I think everyone's got that worry now because he's been electric, like. When he hit the what the woodwork, that was oh, that, that was deserved so much. It was an unbelievable little bit of play. I think he has 
I've expected more from him in in games in the past. I think, you know, as an outlet, I don't think he's done enough. But I I thought he was great again. Um, he's not the most clinical, but he offers us something different. I think now we've got the likes of Saber and Wickham there as well. We haven't got all the pressure isn't on him, but we do yeah. need him in and around that squad to give us that kind of energy. And if if he is out for a lengthy bit of time, it could cost us. But the fact we haven't heard anything, I'm hoping it's not that bad because yeah, he. he he, he does excite me when he's on the ball more than other players in our squad. I didn't realise. I think he's got seven goals now for the season, um, which is a nice stat. Um, ben, let's talk about the all-important moment. Um, Romain Sawyers um, with the late goal. Um, it was a lovely strike, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just clean, crisp. Just a proper daisy cutter to go in the bottom corner. Buzzing, because like I said, it's, it's a huge moment, not just in the game, but in the season, I think. The relief and just like the celebrations, everything that went with it, just lovely stuff all around. Yeah, I look, I think Tom, you know, people have criticized Sawyers throughout this season. Um, I think he was the player that kind of brought the biggest reputation with him when he signed. You know, he's he's played in places like West Brom, he's played in the Premier League, he was good at Brentford, you know. Everyone thought he was gonna be the answer to our midfield problems. And I think he's probably suffered the most from the the inconsistency with managers and all that kind of stuff. But Lamucci seems to know how to get the best out of him, doesn't he? He's probably been our star performer in the last couple of games. He's he's moulded and evolved the way he plays. He was in a more deep position against Luton and he looked better there. But he's the one who seems to be getting the most from Lamucci, doesn't he? Yeah, I'd say so. I think it'd be, it'd be interesting to see in about three or four games' time for carries on. Because I think he started the season pretty well. He got that goal against Norwich. You know, yeah. he's had a few moments of that strikes like that. I think he did it against Luton arriving late on the edge of the box as well. He likes these kind of like daisy cutters drives. I quite like them. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to get too carried away yet because he has been massively inconsistent. But he has looked brilliant the last couple of games, and he's he's looked a completely different player. And it's really interesting to see his comments um, in interviews as well recently. He's got he seems to have a bit more confidence about him, but that's not just him. It's the whole yeah. squad. They all seem to be benefiting from Lamucci telling them they're great. And he was saying it's nice to have a kind of blissful ignorance of youth in our squad, which is good because they haven't got the baggage. He was saying like around like being relegated before, and perhaps yeah, you could look at it as naivety. Then maybe it may work against us, but it's nice to see that they're looking at it as a positive that they haven't got this baggage from before. Young manager, young team, and I'm hoping that he's one of the ones, even though he's gone through relegation with West Brom before. I'm hoping he gets carried away with that confidence that seems to be going on around him because when he when he is on form. He's probably one of the best quality players we've got in our squad. Yeah, we, we we said this when he came in. We were quite excited by it because you know he's been at some decent clubs. He's played some decent football, but he's just massively inconsistent. So if he puts a run together of performances, then we'll be absolutely fine in this league. But that is a big if for the moment because I'm still not hundred percent convinced he can string five games together. I think it's just he's in a system that suits him now, isn't he? It was like I think we yeah. saw the best with Winter when he was with Morrison. Because yeah. that role suited Wintle's game down to the ground. We're seeing this with Sawyers. And we're even I think we're even seeing it with Robinson a bit. I don't think Robinson's an out and out striker. He doesn't work as a front man on his own. But if you've got him darting around strikers and he can just be an absolute nuisance, we've seen the last couple of games what that gets us eventually. Um it's just yeah, it's just getting players like finding the right places for those players. I think I think Wintle's improved and he's played sort of alongside Sawyers being allowed to be yeah. a bit deep and do what he was doing again. It's just, yeah, I feel like the players have gone looked at what they're best, like um, Lucci's looked at what the players are best at and really working at finding a system that gets the best out of all of them. And yeah. I think that's massive. Like, a dagger is a wing-back, it's an ideal thing. He's good defensively, he's good going forward. Um, it just makes sense to play him there. I was really impressed with Philogene at right wing-back as well. Yeah, Philogene did a great, position, uh, great performance. Um, Tom, to your point about uh, you know players t- putting their arm, having their arms put around them and telling them that they're great. I wonder what Steve Morrison was like for that. He probably just called them all cunts and was like, um, "You're shit at football." Yeah, I can't imagine him being a, a good man manager and tailoring his conversations depending who he speak to. It's better that way. But yeah, and it, and you can see that with the likes. I think Ojo's been great the last few yeah. weeks as well. And I can't imagine Ojo reacting brilliantly to Morrison's style of management. So. Yeah, like you, we know Lamushi's a straight talker when it comes to the press as well, but it's really interesting to hear those comments about him, you know, kind of putting the arm around them because I kind of didn't expect that really. I thought he'd be almost a more eloquent version of Steve Morrison in a way, um, in the way of he probably wouldn't use the word cunt, but 
I don't think he'd <laughs> hold back. But no, it's it's nice to see that he's got the two sides to his management style, and it's nice to see the pan, pan, passion he showed on the side of the pitch. Because I think, well, it, yeah, go on, go for it. The final, the final point I was going to say, and and I was going to direct this to Ben, but you can start it, Tom. Uh, we talked about this in the WhatsApp chat for the podcast. View from the WhatsApp. <laughs> um, we basically said Lamucci and Bamba, they just bloody get it, don't they? It's such a cliche, isn't it? But I think when he that that first game, we well, I I definitely questioned the fact that Lamucci didn't clap the fans and all that because we're saying with it, you yeah. know, they were a simple bunch. But he's more than made up for it now. I don't mind that he, if he, you know, he only does it after a win if we keep winning. But no, those celebrations for the Canton is what we've been looking for for ages, right? And yeah. to see Bamba doing it as well, like it, it, it does kind of give you goosebumps a little bit. And then you see the reaction of other players on um, social media to it as well, like Gunnison doing the, the heart eyes yeah. emoji, Bennett getting involved. You know, that's what we want as fans is that feel good factor. And that's what Lamushi and Bamba brought on Friday night, and I'd love to see more of that going forward. It is a cliche, isn't it, Ben? But they, you know, Bamba gets it because he's been at the club. Lamucci's just getting into it because obviously winning games and he's showing a passion. But as Tom says, it just makes all the difference, doesn't it? Yeah, mate, I'm I'm falling in love with him. Like the whole setup with it, I'm properly. I've got. A, I feel like I'm getting a connection. We see scenes like that, which I didn't get, and like. A, like loads of people still hark on about what Steve Morris did. I never got that connection with him because uh, I think no. we knew what he was like as a person and it's sort of hard to connect with someone like that. But Lamucci seems like a good guy. Everyone seems to have good things to say about him. Sol Bamba, we know, is a bloody brilliant bloke. So for all of that to come through and then just seeing them with those celebrations, you know you know they genuinely care and it's not... the That celebration isn't stroking their ego. They're doing that to connect with the fans and really enjoy themselves. Yeah, it's just really, it just builds everything that you haven't we haven't had for a while. That bit of closeness between fans and the team. I don't say with the club because there's still issues there, but the fans and the team. But that, that that's the that's the main thing, isn't it? Like if we can have that connection, then at least going to games is far more enjoyable than yes. than than when they, you know. And you know Morrison, I think people wanted to forge that connection with him. But when things were bad, Morrison didn't want to stick around and clap the fans, did he? Like he would be he straight off down the tunnel to dig us out. It was constantly a case of he wanted to sort of put the blame on anyone but himself. Um, if that meant the fans, it, it was just anyone but him. And like you're saying about the man management, I, Steve Morrison's the kind of bloke I can imagine who walks up to a player, goes, "You know, he's a good player," and then talk about his own career for twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, That's I can see that, I, and I don't think. That would ever happen under like this now this regime now. I think it's. I've got a really good feeling about on the pitch where things are heading. I still think we're heading off a cliff off the pitch. I still think mm-hmm. those those talks and those sort of the sentiment from the fans shouldn't change there. I think that needs to be still pushed as an agenda. But on the pitch, a few things are going right now, and yeah, let's enjoy it for a few weeks before we start bringing that up again. For sure. Um, Tom, we've already touched upon it, but there's, you know, there were results yesterday that went our way. I think um, Blackpool beat Stoke, Huddersfield won, you know, under Warnock in his first game, they won 2-1. I can't remember who they were playing off the top of my head. Um, The win, it feels bigger now, doesn't it, because of what's happened over the weekend? Oh, massive. Like you said, if we'd lost that game Friday night or even drawn it and the other teams around us winning, you start getting nervy. And, you know, that's not... Let's not get too carried away when we're on the table. Others oh, all completely. over, far, far from it. But it does give you a bit more of an enjoyable weekend when you win it and you're not as fussed about the teams winning around you. Yeah. If we keep winning, we'll be all right. But yeah, it's a massive one. And I think it just shows that, you know, it's not a flash in the pan. We've won two in a row. We've played two poor sides. Don't Let's not get away from that either. Like Birmingham and Redden have been terrible. Well, Birmingham lost Huddersfield. I just looked it up to remind myself. Yeah. I think that, and that's the thing, right, about these weekend results. Part of me is like, oh, it's a pity to see them winning. But we're dragging more and more people in. Yeah. And I'm, I don't want to get carried away by how far up the table. But, you know, I don't mind the teams winning be- below us if the ones above us keep losing. Because momentum's huge, like we're saying. Once you start losing, it becomes a habit. And if we drag the likes of QPR in, who've just lost their manager now, Birmingham, again, beaten by two relegation candidates, you know, two games in a row, their confidence is going to be shattered. You know, the more these teams are in there, the better. Because there's a lot of poor teams in the league this year, with us being one of them. But if we can keep picking them off and dragging them in, then great. Yeah, Ben, looking at the results, obviously Blackpool beat Stoke. Um, 
Uh, Stoke are just one place above us now and only two points ahead of us. Obviously, Huddersfield beat Birmingham. Birmingham are one ahead of Stoke and only a, a point ahead of them, so three points ahead of us. Tom says QPR all of a sudden... Um, you know they're getting dragged into it with their, their their sacking the manager. They're only four points ahead of us. But the, the reminder, really, from these games, obviously the teams around us winning, and, and you know you'd expect Huddersfield to potentially go on a run now that they've got Warnock in, is that we aren't actually out of the woods yet, are we? Yes, all of a sudden we can't be caught by the teams who have games in hand around us. But it only takes one bad result and one good result for them to things to really you know to to carry on as they have been for the last few weeks. Yeah, but it, there's a lot less pressure when you're not relying on other teams around you to lose sure. when it's still in your hands and you can pick up those wins it just makes it a bit not nice nice is not the right f- phrase for it but more comfortable i guess like knowing that as long as it's in our hands and we keep going the way we're going i think we'll be all right it's i think it's harder and it's probably like a bit demoralized for the teams below us that they did they like they've picked up they've picked up three points thinking they should be sort of looking to possibly be out of the relegation zone, but the teams around them are sort of picking up points and pulling away as well and sort of keeping that gap. That's where it becomes really important is even if they're starting to build momentum, they, they can't climb out of that relegation zone. Yeah. And the longer you're there, the psychological thing of, oh shit, we're going down, we're going down, can really play a huge factor. And then on the on the other side of it, you look at, is it like like QPR haven't won or like anything since the 17th of December? It's I think they're on a similar run to us. Um, let me but I think it's like a lot of losses in there, whereas ours were a lot of draws. I think theirs are a lot of losses. Yeah, so on the, they, they beat Preston on the 17th of December. Since then, one, two, three, four, five, six losses. One, two, three, four, five draws, six draws. So in the last 12 games, they've drawn or lost. And like they were talking of like playoff contenders sort of November yeah. time. Well, under, under Beal, under I think they, they were very much... And then the... the what happened with Beal was there was the Wolves stuff, wasn't there, where he was yeah. linked with the Wolves job, and they just fell apart. And they like Lyndon Dykes hasn't played for two two months, I think, because he had pneumonia. Um, so they've lost their striker, they've lost Beal, and now they've lost Critchley. Like they could drop like a stone. Yeah, it's it's a sort of it sounds horrible. You need crisis clubs like that to sort of help along there. Cause... More crisis club than us, please. Yeah, the, the worse they run, the better it is for us. So um, yeah, it's bits like that that really make play into it as well. It's all it's crazy how much goes into like the relegation scene isn't it yeah. it's not just a case of you you've lost all this there's other stuff that goes with it sort of pulls other teams in yeah like yeah, the red Radin at the moment isn't it like Paul Ince yeah just saying his players aren't good enough and then you know the the was it like the journalist saying oh you know you're saying your players aren't good enough and then he accused him of putting words in his mouth <laughs> and I was just like, like he he's obviously going absolutely wild. Like they didn't bring anyone in in this in the January transfer window anyway, and they're not out of it. Being ten points they're above, they're in though, aren't they? They're yeah, exactly, in. exactly. Like he's moaning. He's saying his players aren't good enough. Can't bring anyone in. He's saying I can't play football. You know, and you know when you've got that infighting within clubs, you're fighting with journalists. You're saying your players are shit. You know, you 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 might see them drop from sixteenth towards that zone. So. Yeah, I still don't think they're safe. Like, they're fucking terrible. Awful. They're really, really bad, bad side. Club. And yeah. Just I, bad football club. Like... Really bad football club. Really yeah, bad I'm people involved in it. Yeah. Um, and Tom, obviously, we've got Tuesday games this week. We're not involved. Um, our next game's Saturday. But we've got on Tuesday, we've got Rotherham playing Sunderland, Blackpool playing Blackburn, Stoke playing Swansea, and Birmingham playing Norwich. Like, that's lower, lower teams playing slightly higher teams. The results either way could really open it up even more at the bottom, couldn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing we've been fearing over the last few weeks, like Ben alluded to earlier on, is the teams have got games in hand over us, below us. Um, even if they win that now, we're not dropping into the relegation zone. So that psychological factor, you know, if if every result goes against us on Tuesday, it's not catastrophic. Yeah. But when you read out those fixtures, you're thinking, you know, we should be thinking that all of those teams should, they, they could easily all not win a game at least. You might get yeah. the odd draw there. If they all lost, then I wouldn't be surprised either. So I'm going into Tuesday not dreading it. Like two weeks ago, I'd have been dreading, you know, those gaining a game on us. But it, yeah, it's not quite got that fear factor it once had. Uh, and now I'm just buzzing towards next week. But, you know, it's always pity that we don't have a game for that momentum yeah. after winning two on the bounce. But perhaps we could do it with a bit of a rest. But yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as catastrophic as it once was. I'm just having a look at Blackburn because obviously Blackburn at one point had only one or you know 27 games into the season they hadn't drawn a game in their last eight games by looks of it they've drawn no in their last seven games they've drawn five 
so they can't <laughs> stop drawing now, um, which is quite funny. Um, back to closer to home, Ben. Um, there's a rumor going around on Twitter that we're going to announce a signing this week. Um, Talkies is a midfielder. We think we've narrowed it down to that Lennon Peak fella who is at West Ham. And we've been linked with for a long time. Um, not one for for now, but one for the future, isn't he? Yeah, um, I'm all for players like that coming in, sort of building up, and hopefully they can break through because. Yeah, the, given the financial situation we're in, uh, we need youth to come through that we mm-hmm. can either sell on and make some money, or at least have like decent quality players that come into this squad. Because, yeah, it's uh, we're not going to be spending money on players for a while. I don't think. No, we're not. Um, Tom, is it is 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 that a good thing that we're still making these transfer moves outside of the window and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it shows there's a bit of intent there. I think we need more bodies in um, if we can get them. Um, I think the people we've brought in might be enough. And I think with the change of management as well, the change of attitude might be enough, but I won't complain, complain to see anyone else coming in, even if it is just for the for the future, for the youth setup. It won't do us any harm whatsoever. Absolutely. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think it shows some belief in, in well, hopefully, you know, Lamucci's doing what he can to prove to the club that he should be maybe the long-term manager over the next couple of games, you know. And I think what we've seen before is when these managers start making signings, that's kind of a bit of an intent from the club, isn't it? You know, we saw Hudson bringing in coaches and that meant he was going to be manager. Morrison was able to make signings last January, which meant that he probably stayed along for long term. So hopefully that's a, a vote of intent in Lamucci. Right. Um, rattling through this podcast this week because there's not been much drama. Isn't that nice, lads? Isn't it nice and relaxing to talk positively about the football club? Moving on to Twitter now. Um, had a few comments. Um, first one, Tony, ATM1927. Pembloid, Happis Ben. Thank you, Tony. Thought we were excellent. Only lacking goals, really. But it's clear that Sabri has a few lads' confidence up. Hopefully we can have the same impact on Colwell, who can be a game changer when confident, but a complete ghost when he's not. This will be a good weekend. Um, Stu Longshanks, interesting to see a few teams above us getting dragged into the mix now with us seemingly picking up some form and others maybe going the other way things might be looking better again I think they are James C. Roberts, happy birthday Ben James thank you James fair play, we were far superior and Reading deserved to lose for allowing Carroll to wear the number two so unnatural although now I can't decide if I'm happy (laughs) I'm happy to see other teams get pulled into the battle or gutted teams around us one Ben, what is your most egregious um egregious number offence. Milan Barros wearing five, for example. Ivan Zamorano wearing one plus eight to make nine. Um, no, I quite your... like that. See, that, that felt petty. I quite I quite enjoyed that one. It's players like um, Wilfred Boney and Carol wearing number two to signify their second spell at the club. Fuck off. <laughs> William Gallas, number 10, taking yeah. over. And the fact he took it from Dennis Bergkamp as well is just horrendous. Um, yeah, I'm quite... Yeah, I'm quite passionate about, like, after 1-11, to 11, I don't mind what sort of number players wear. But if you're a striker wearing number two or you're a centre-back wearing number nine, it's just wrong and shouldn't be allowed. And I think it should be, like, a punishable by, like, points deduction. Tom? I couldn't care less, to be honest. But I think Hal Robson-Kanu being four at West Brom yeah. was the one that, like, bugged me the most. But to be honest with you, I really don't care. And half the time, I don't even notice. I'm I'm not one of these, like... People who know the players and their numbers, I don't really care at oh, all. I, I'm I care. I I'm, spend too much time thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of those losers that goes through and is like, I wonder what squad number they've got. Just to yeah, I like to, I like to any know. valuable thing into it. Like, oh fucking hell, he's picked up the number fifteen shit when number seven's available. What does that mean? <laughs> when when I used to play football in Cardiff as a youngster, I used to wear number twelve because of Willie Boland. So. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of sums me up, really, as uh, as a as a man. Well, I pick thirty nine for Roger Stone because Craig Bellamy. So you know, yeah. <laughs> I wore number four my last season for Steve, uh, for Shawnee Morrison. Um, Owen Davis, what do you think Lamucci has done to get Sawyer's playing this way? Up the Stoke on Trent Bluebirds, up the Stoke on Trent Bluebirds, indeed. Um, Tom, do you think he's just put his arm round um, Sawyer's shoulder? That and what Ben said earlier on about system change. I think you know. It just suits him more. Um, yeah. But I think I wouldn't get a lot of kind of... I don't know. I wouldn't be that spurred on by Morrison or Hudson, I don't think, if they were my manager. But I think Lamushi coming in, he's got a little bit more calibre. A bit played, more intensity about him as well. Yeah, and even the level he played at. And there's something exciting about him being a foreign manager as well. Yeah. And I think when you throw all those things together, 
I think you can build a lovely atmosphere for a player. So I think yeah, yeah. it's a combination of the lot. Oliver Reese, happy birthday, BJ. Thank you, Oliver. Felt coming back from the game Friday, I was starting to fall back in love with the club. Something felt right on Friday. Hoping for far more good moments now under Sabri. Thought Wickham's contribution has gone under the radar. Radar really gets over the line. I'll come back to the Wickham comment because somebody else has said the same thing. Brandon Arthur, thoughts on the Super Sablamucci chant, Ben? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was stuck in my head. Awesome. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's an earworm. It's a proper one. It's, it's, yeah. We haven't had one for a while that's proper got stuck in my head. I think the last one that we got stuck in my head, but because it was annoying, was the Bakuna chant. But um, yeah, oh, this, is, this is genuinely a good one. The chant always sticks in my head is the LA, LA, LA chant, as much as it's quite... Um, see, my cat's saying hello. As much as it is quite um, generic, it just does get stuck in your head and it is a good one to sing because you can go mental at the LA, LA, LA's. LA, LA, LA! And you lose your voice at that point. Um, Rodri, Pemboy, happiest Benny boy. Thank you, Rodri. If you could create a chant, this one's for you, Tom. Create a chant for any Cardiff City player. Which player? Who? Which player? And what chant would it be? Oh, I should really read these before coming on here. That's a lot of practice. yeah. No, that's why I like to try and catch you out. I still want there to be a Joe Rawls chant, just because there isn't one. But I haven't got any ideas. That's the problem. Could you? Could you not sing the, to you know Dave Clark Five? I'm feeling glad rolls over. But no, it's that's shite. Like... Yeah, but that's the first one. I'm trying to bring something to this, Tom. You're the one who's going, I haven't got anything. You asked the question, could you do that? I said, you you could, but it's shite. But I don't know. I wouldn't mind there being a a sorry Carbo chant. Yeah. Because you think sorry sorry seems to be the hardest word. I think you've got a lot lot of scope here with that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of songs with sorry in it that we could bring into it. I'd like to see some suggestions on Twitter personally. And you've got Ian. Carbo. Like Sh- Cab- that's, see, that's all I think of is from Phoenix Knights and Ray Vaughn is whenever I see Cabra's. Can we all just be silent for a bit and then just go, Cabra? But I love that. Just if he scores, no one cheers. It's George just, Cabra. That'd be good. Um, I'm not very good at... Listen to this that weren't even born when Phoenix Knights came out or like, haven't got point. a clue. Sage this. I'm yeah. not very good at creating new chants. I'm good at ripping off other people's chants. Like I can write, a, you know, I could write an LA, 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 I think, for any club because it follows a format. I just look at their history and go, right, that's what I'll do. Um, but I, go, I can't, I'm not very good at coming up. Um, I used to live with a guy in Cardiff who's a Man United fan. And um, he said he's come up with two chants in his lifetime. One was for Wes Brown, where you just go, Wes, Wes, Wes. <laughs> and then the other one was about John O'Shea. It was like, his name is John and he's got a square head. And that's that was it. That was the chance. And I think both of those should have taken off. I remember going to watch Cardiff play Crew in 2004 and they'd come up with a waltzing with Vidmar chant and we all had little song sheets put on our chairs. Nice. And the chants didn't take off. I'm convinced I got the Hennessy chant going in the Wales games when I was pissed. But I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to be proved otherwise. It yeah. is interesting sort of who sort of... It's always... I, I've never sort of known anyone that's known knowingly got a full chant going like properly like that. It's interesting to know like how they start, especially at like our club and stuff, like who's the mad bass in the canton that really sets them all off. Like the first person that got the LA LA LA. Yeah. Like, did he did he have to teach his mates the words? Like they're in the pub on the way down, sort of like choir so practice I, or I think forum, with the LA 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 one you probably can because you just go you, if, you, if you've got a whatsapp group with sort of 10 of you who are all going to games you probably could get that going quite quickly right it's true because I, I, I've done it at the non-league club I follow I, one of the players said we need an LA chant I wrote it that day and then we we started singing it quite easily but that's because there's 20 or 30 of you that are stood around you so it's really easy to get them going at non-league games but at, at bigger games like I'm I don't even I don't even sing with other people sing. I try just like, I don't, I don't start a chant at Cardiff games because I'm just I've like, not what got the someone... bottle to do yeah, it. Yeah, I've got a bottle. I lack bottle. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Yian Wickham looked positive when he came on. Looked to play forward first all the time, like a breath of fresh air. Uh, ben, how the Wickham signing could go as a, a, a you know an unheralded piece of really good business, couldn't it? Yeah, he's like we said last week. He's another option, but. He's looking sharp. He's looking up for it. And if he stays fit, it's not going to be a horrendous piece of business, is it? Hopefully he starts, hopefully in the next game or two, he bags and sort of gets off the mark that way. But yeah, he's he's doing something that I don't think we've had from any striker. He's mm. quickly looking to face goal and looking to get the shot off. Yeah. And yeah. I'm all for that in my strikers. That's exactly what you want for him. Holds yeah. the ball as well and looks to score. Takes goal. Um, and the big, the big question... 
And the one that I've saved, the you know, the biggest and probably most hard hitting question till last uh, was from Mike. Give me caffeine. Um, if Wales bans duo bars from meal deals, we riot. Yeah. Um, Tom. I know you're a big passionate person about this one because you had a Mars duo on the way back. I assume it was part of a meal deal. No, it wasn't. I went. It was. A... I just went for it. I went for a solo duo, if that makes sense. <laughs> um... A Mars bar. <laughs> I just, I just, I saw it. I saw it in a garage. I thought we'd mentioned it on the pod last week, so yeah. I got myself a Mars duo. I, I, w- I will be rioting if they ban the duo. I'd be absolutely livid. Um, Ben, is it? Is the is the duo, Snickers duo, Mars duo, Twix extra, that whole family of chocolate bars? Is it a more crucial piece of chocolate now because Mars bars, Snicker bars, Twixes are getting smaller? So the duo yeah. is effectively like a normal sized chocolate bar, isn't it? Yeah. Um. I watched. This is going to be really random, but Christmas Feast family were watching the Vicar of Dibley, <laughs> and it was it was um when I can't remember her name, the thick blonde one gets married. Alice. Yeah. yeah, and she's got crunchies in like a head as like part of a headdress, and the one thing that started for me was, "Fuck me, crunchies are like halved in size." Yeah, they're and tiny that's, now. that's that is like something I'm really passionate about. So yeah, like you said, the duos um, keep the standard size of chocolate for a quid being where it needs to be because yeah, these smaller chocolates can't do it anymore. Like 40, 46 grams for a chocolate bar, they still pay at least it's sixty. Just, for, it's just least sixty in my book. Um, yeah, keep the questions coming. Twitter.com forward slash the FT Ninian. Um, we take all questions, as you can tell. Food choices, Mars bar duos. I mean, that's a, inherently a political conversation at the moment because it's a Welsh government decision. So we try and steer clear of the politics, but we will discuss it if needs be. Um, moving swiftly on, uh, we've got a special treat now, um, Ben and Tom. Uh, usually I do a Wikipedia nugget of the week here, but I'm just doing a quiz on Canada, and I'll tell you for why. Uh, we have a, a listener. His name is uh, Ty Jordan. He lives in Canada and we've conversed with him a little bit on Twitter. Uh, he's a radio presenter in Canada. Um, he's even, he says it's his fault we were going down. I finally pulled the trigger on some Cardiff City merch and had to swallow the import fees. No doubt it was this purchase that cursed the team and relegated them. So the most Canadian way possible, I'm sorry. And he sent us over a quiz about Canada. Um, I don't know how much you guys know about Canada. But I do know there's oh. a Cardiff City player playing in Canada at the moment, Joe Mason. He plays in the Canadian Premier League. Um, oh, might have given away one of the questions. Um, it's not about Joe Mason. Um, so he's written us a little quiz on Canada that I'm going to do with you guys now. It's a bit of change of scenery. Are you ready? Yeah. Tom yeah. doesn't look ready. Uh, I really wish I cheated at this quiz and looked at the questions Same like the inbox. Oh, <laughs> in the email, I'm surprised you haven't. Um, I'll just start with question one. Dan and Eugene Levy created what Canadian sitcom that officially ended its run of six seasons and 80 episodes in April 2020? SCTV, Chili Beach, Canadians Drinking Coffee, or Shits Creek? I've only heard of one of them. Yeah, I've only heard of Shits Creek. Yeah, same. Yeah. You both go on um, Shits Creek? Uh, I'll go no, Creek. I'll go number B, please. B Chili was. Beach. Yeah. Uh, ben Price was correct. It's shit. Oh. Ben Price, 1 0. Um, number two, which Canadian singer or group has the most streamed song on Spotify with blinding lights? Is it Drake, Arcade Fire, Celine Dion, or The Weeknd? Because it's not got any in it. I know what it is, but I didn't realize it, that that person was Canadian. Celine Dion? Yeah, she's Canadian. Yeah. What, what's the, the answer? Yeah. All right. 2-1 to Ben. Uh, three, this Canadian sports team won their first league championship in 2019. The Toronto Raptors of the NBA, the Edmonton Oilers of the NHL, the Toronto Blue Jays of the MLB, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. That's Canadian Football League, their NFL. Tom, you're a big American sports fan. Uh, yeah, not Canadian, though. No, um... Ben, who are you going for? Or Tom thinks. I'll, I'll go Winnipeg because Chris Jericho's from there. All right. What were the options again? Sorry. Toronto Raptors, NBA, Edmonton Oilers, NHL, Blue Jays, Toronto, MLB, Winnipeg Blue Bombers of the CFL. The Raptors win? Raptors. Correct. It was the Raptors 2 yeah. all. Um Question four. What is the name of the Canadian Soccer League? Bonus points if you can name a team. Is it the Canadian Premier League, the Canadian Soccer Championship, the Canadian National Soccer Association, or the North American Soccer League? Um, is it the North American Soccer League? Tom? I thought it was just... Was Canadian Premier League one of the options? It was. That. 
You would be correct. And a bonus point to take you, Tom, you're 3-2 up now. Can you name a team? Oh, they got mad names. Um, isn't there like Atletico Ottawa? Ben, so, can you name a team? I, I I know Joe Mason pays for Cal. Is it Cal, Calgary FC? Tom, you're right, Atletico Ottawa. Ben, you were so close. It's Cavalry FC. So, Tom, that puts you 4-2 with the bonus point. Uh, qu- question five, the Canadian footballer. I think we can all show I definitely didn't cheat at reading the emails. Yeah. <laughs> This Canadian footballer from Edmonton, Alberta, plays left-back for Bayern Munich. Can you name him? Jonathan David, Atiba Hutchinson, Alistair Johnson, or Alfonso Davis? Can you name him? Come on. like I'm asking you the questions oh. here. Oh, <laughs> right, Alfon- yeah, Alfonso Davis. Yeah. <laughs> this is how quizzes work. Have you not been in a quiz Well, I didn't always go first. Did what I like is, the, can, can you name him? And Tom nodded. <laughs> yeah, I can name him. 5-3 uh, to Tom. 6, who is the current Prime Minister of Canada? John Herdman, Justin Trudeau, Ryan Reynolds, or Stephen Harper? Uh, Tom? B. All right. Yeah. Ben? Trudeau. 6-4? Six, 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 uh, yeah. You both got that right. Um, as of 2023, Canada has hosted two Winter Olympic Games. Name both the cities that hosted. Winnipeg and Regina, that's A. Toronto and Ottawa, B. Halifax and Toronto, C. Or Calgary and Vancouver, D. Who's going first? I'll come to you first, Tom. D. Yeah, ben? D. Seven five. Um, this Canadian holds or shares sixty-one records in the National Hockey League. Uh, you were correct if if you didn't get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Connor McDavid, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, or Bobby Orr. Ben. Gretzky. Tom. Yeah, Gretzky. Eight six. Um, I've, I think I've seen a statue of Bobby it's, Orr. It's just dawned on me that we're doing a quiz about Canada on a Cardiff podcast. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's just a bit of, a bit of a as change. You were, as you were, yeah. Nine. This hit 2010 movie directed by Edgar Wright takes place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Is it A, Baby Driver, B, Last Night in Soho, C, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, or D, A Fistful of Fingers, Ben? A. All right. Tom? Uh, he said two of those, didn't he? Uh, it's Scott Pilgrim. It was Scott Pilgrim. I think that puts you nine, six up. You're winning anyway. Um, and the last question, I don't think, Ben, you can't catch him. So well, I'll just let you know. Disappointing. Uh, which Canadian restaurant chain has a bar, a bear in an orange sweater as its mascot? Is it A, Boston Pizza, B, Tim Hortons, C, Pizza Pizza, or D, A&W? Ben? Definitely not Tim Hortons, because there's one of those in Cardiff. There's one in Cardiff. Very good. Uh, Tim Bitzer. Um, I'll go A. Tom? Uh, was it Pizza Pizza? Was that one? Yeah, I'll Pizza Pizza. All pizza, right, you're pizza. wrong. Uh, it was A&W. Uh, Tom, you win, though, because um, you, you got the most points about Canada. Um, how do you Fantastic. feel? Fantastic. I'm still a bit baffled why we were doing <laughs> it on the podcast, to be honest. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> I think it's just showing gratefulness for our foreign listeners. I think it's really interesting when we do a podcast, like we get a little breakdown of where our listeners come from. And I think behind the UK, we do have a a larger proportion of American or North American listeners than anywhere else. And I think Ty's been, you know, he's interacted with us a lot. He sent us messages. We've had good conversations with him. So it's, 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 it's a thank you for, for getting involved with the podcast and listening from afar and being our Canadian correspondent. So thank you, Ty, for sending the quiz across. Keep listening. Thank you for really helping us drag out this podcast a bit longer because we didn't have a lot to talk about this week. No, <laughs> but that's the thing, isn't it? When nothing happens, like when, when things are good, we don't have that much to talk about. So um, I mean, we only have one more thing to talk about before the pod ends, and that's the Norwich preview. Uh, away day in Norwich next Saturday. Um, ben, what's your favourite thing about Norwich? Alan Partridge, I think. Yeah, good answer. Tom? Uh, yeah, the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre, probably. <laughs> People need access to Dixon's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think if you're working curries, you should have a very basic grasp of Latin as well. Um <laughs> Yeah, Alan Partridge is probably my favourite. Um, I don't really like mustard, you know. Um, I, I've, I was thinking I've, about... I'm coming into English mustard, sort of don't mind it too much. It's it's I'm getting there with it, but yeah, it's not the best condiment. What I think mustard tastes like is when you do a roly-poly in a swimming pool and you don't block your nose up. That's oh, what that's... mustard tastes like. <laughs> that's pretty accurate, mustard. <laughs> that's yeah. like my, my yeah. most nichely held opinion about it, is that... 
Yeah, oh. it's like you, when that. Uh, the only other thing I know about Norwich is that my uh, our Plymouth listener Aaron Hocking lives in Norwich. Uh, basically, I'm trying to weave in a little shout out for Aaron on every podcast. I've guessed he's, that. We've noticed yeah. this. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's he listens. He's from Plymouth and he listens to the podcast. Um, don't know why. Um, so that's that for him. Um, ben, is there anything you change going into Norwich? You know, we're on a really good run. Two wins on the bounce. What you're changing? <laughs> Obviously, Robinson may be injured. Wickham might come in from the start. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd st- put put the bigger lads up top this time. I'd, pr- I'd probably go with like Kappa and Wickham starting and just sort of hoping we can nick something towards the end of the game, sort of run, sort of just batter them for 65, 70 minutes. Then maybe look to bring on Robinson if he's fit or Isaac Davis if Robinson's not to have something to run him at the end and hope we can nick a point or maybe nick a winner. Because if you get anything other than a loss today, it's a positive result in my eyes. Yeah. I think it's sort of. It's a tough place to go. Their home form's not that bad. No. Um, I know that they're having a disappointing season, but I think that's mainly down to their away form. So, yeah, if you come away with it, it was anything with the place we are, I think it's a positive thing to keep this little mini run going. Tom, they've not had the best of times recently. Let me just have a look at their current results. They, I think since Wagner come in, they've beaten Preston 4-0. They've beaten Coventry 4-2, but they've lost 3-0 to Burnley, lost away at Bristol. They drew at home to Wigan, but they, they, they're still one of the better teams in the division, aren't they, in terms of their squad? They've still got people like Pookie. They've still got some very good players in their squad. Yeah, I think that's the scary thing is when you look at their squad, they've got they've got some names there that can cause you problems. You know, the likes of Sargent, you know, Adam, yeah. either, people like that, Aaron's. Like, if they turn it on, they could, they could really cut loose. But they are really inconsistent. You know, drawing nil-nil with Wigan. You know, they've lost a few games recently. There's not a great feeling about their club at no. the moment either. You know, the new management bounce hasn't really come. And we're in a, a nice little run of form with two games, like you said, but like a massive momentum change. I'm When I booked my ticket for this a few weeks ago, I was kind of questioning why the hell I was bothering. But I tell Same you what, here. I'm absolutely bouncing for it now because it feels like a game that we could get something out of. Or just, or just put a bit of a performance in, you know. I think we can frustrate them. I think their fans may get a little bit antsy if we're still in yeah. the game after half hour. So, you know, I and they've got a game against Birmingham as well midweek. And I think that would be knackered. It'd be really interesting to see how that goes because Birmingham, as we know, have come off the back of two terrible results. So let's see how that goes. If Birmingham get something uh, there, like a draw or something like that. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be really, really downbeat coming into the fixture against us. You know, I said they've got quite a good home record. I completely misread it. Or I was looking at the table on the BBC <laughs> website. Um, they've actually only won once at home since November. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's not going well there at all. I think, you know, they're I not guess, sports. Is any team in this division having a good time? Apart from Burnley, Burnley Sheffield United and Sunderland. Luton maybe as well. Like Borough, Borough now. I say I'd say that apart from the top five, oh top six, because Millwall are doing okay as well. Everyone else just seems to be floundering. Like Watford shouldn't be an eighth with the squad they've got. Blackburn started so well and have completely fallen away. Coventry started badly, kind of pushing up. Swansea aren't where they should be. Like everyone in seems falling over each other to fail, aren't they? I think that's the interesting point we said about like those teams normally are on the on the fringe of the playoffs are glad to be there. We're not this season. The ones who are no. there are the ones who expect to be higher. So, Norwich, West Brom, Watford are all in seven, eight, nine, basically. Yeah. No, so sorry, like, eight, nine, ten. Anyone outside the top six is miserable at the moment. There's there's ones who've got like higher ambitions than where they not currently us. are. We're and then, and then the lot on the bottom who are shitting themselves because they drop the division. It's it's an absolute clusterfuck at the yeah. moment. And everyone's beating everyone. And I think that's why I'm not dreading this Norwich game. Because it, it wouldn't be, you know, we've beaten them once this season. Uh, with the backs against the wall result earlier doors. But we've got nothing to fear because they're all over the shop. We're gonna get a draw against them, you know. They're yeah. they're shite. So why can't we, why can't we get a point as well? I'm looking forward to my trip to Norwich for a nice pint of director's bitter. Um Ben, prediction. Um after seeing that, I I think we might actually get something from the game. I'll take a uh, I'll take a one all draw. Tom? I won all yeah, I reckon we'll score early, concede late, but one all draw. You've got to have doing more that as well. Yeah. We're going to win 2-1. Two goals again. Oof. Connor Wickham's curly bouffant is going to get us a couple of goals. 
I can feel it in my bones. Um, great. Well done, everyone. Good episode, I think. That's another episode of The View from the Ninian wrapped up. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Terrace Badger. Uh, TerraceBadger.com, VFTN15. That's VFTN15. Uh, 15% off your purchase at TerraceBadger.com. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash VFTNinian. Get involved on our Twitter page. We've finally reached over 8,000 followers. Um, we're doing a little competition on there at the moment with Terrace Badger. I think the winner's just been announced. So thanks to everyone who got involved in that and started following us. Um, Kofi.com forward slash VFT Ninian. We do this for the love, not money. That's KOFI.com. Uh, ben, weird when things are positive, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I'm enjoying it, though. It's just nice not moaning constantly. No, I was getting sick of it. Never mind the listeners. Yes. I was bored of just being miserable all the time. So yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm just going to make the most of it. Well, the bad run did up give, at some point. The bad run did give us our most listened to episode ever, though. So be thankful for the negative times. Tom, um, are you happy? Yeah, I'm happy. About to apply for a Canadian passport um, after my great win. Uh, and I reckon keep the quizzes coming in. If anyone else has got quizzes, send yeah, them in. Yeah, yeah. Any regional specific quizzes are great because I generally struggle with the Wikipedia thing um, because I forget about it. Tell. So, yeah, uh, it would be great to have some regional specific quizzes about places we're not from. Um, I, think I mean, it would be, according to our analytics, there's like a, a, a random amount of Philippine listeners yeah. Um, yeah. So if they can send a quiz in, go for it. That'd be cool. I'd appreciate that. Yeah. Make, Let uh, us know where you're from. Yeah. Yeah. Give, yeah. In the replies, in the replies <laughs> to, this, to this podcast. Well, I, wait, how does this work? Because we're telling you at the end of the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, just email us where you're from. BFTN, BFTNinian at gmail.com. Send us where you're from. Just one line in the subject. <laughs> uh, no boys, subject, thanks for just the country. <laughs> yeah, just the country. Right, thanks for joining me once again, boys. Um, I guess we'll be back after Norwich next week. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty, but they like to talk about Cardiff City. It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny and not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny. And...